Welcome to another edition of the Sports Rotation. As always, I'm your host, Jay Butler. If you're listening to me, you're listening through SoundCloud, you're listening through Google Play Music, you're listening through Stitcher.com, or TuneIn Radio, or perhaps you visited my site, thesportsrotation.squarespace.com. Again, that's thesportsrotation.squarespace.com. I want to thank you for being in the rotation with me. A lot of stuff to get into uh, from the NFL and the NBA standpoint. But I wanted to start off a bit of a sad note. Actually, it's not a bit of a sad note. It's just really, really sad. You got two-time Cy Young award-winning pitcher Roy Halladay, who was killed in a single-engine aircraft uh, crash off the coast of Florida and only 40 years old likely headed for the Hall of Fame he was eligible for the Hall of Fame going to be eligible for the Hall of Fame in 2019 and um, yeah it's just a, a sad bit of news it's hard to believe that Roy Halladay was pitching like what four years ago and here he is trying to enjoy his life, trying to enjoy the one thing that he really, really enjoyed doing. And it cost him his life. It's really sad to hear that his wife had been against the whole entire situation from the get-go. She was not happy with him flying airplanes. She said she didn't grow up around people uh, who loved flying. That wasn't part of her life. That She fought him very hard on it. And... Um, yeah, it's just a, a sad bit of news. Uh, when you think about his career, really, I mean, there you have the perfect game that was thrown. Um, you have the no-hitter that was thrown in the postseason. Uh, a career record of 203-105 with a 338 ERA. Amazing stats, but I always felt like, and by the way, a two-time two, uh, Cy Young Award winner. Amazing stats, but I, I don't feel that Roy Holiday really got the credit that he fully deserved. And I think that might be because of the places that he played in. You played in Toronto, totally different country. So you're not receiving as much buzz except for when you're over in the States, probably playing up against the the New York Yankees or the Boston Red Sox. And he played for the Philadelphia Phillies. And, again, not an incredibly large media market. But you're, you're talking about a guy that put up amazing stats. He had better stats than Sandy Koufax, from what I'm seeing. And a, a couple of other notable pitchers as well. Um, and I always, every time I watch this guy pitch, I always thought to myself, he just has the perfect delivery, and he just delivers it every single time with every single pitch. I just I don't remember him seeing, especially when he, he was playing for the Toronto Blue Jays. I just I don't remember him placing the ball in an area that was easy for the hitters to get a hit. Just had excellent command of the strike zone. He went up there throwing strikes. I mean, you weren't going to get a lot of walks with Roy Holiday. 
you were going to get a lot of ground balls, you were going to get a lot of strikeouts. That's it. Just that fluid delivery. He almost seemed like a robot. Or like some type of alien that was from another planet. To be able to go out and just dominate the way he did. I mean, it was just amazing watching the guy pitch. And, yeah, really tough one. Really tough. Hart goes out to his family. And, um, you know, just really sad news all the way around. World of Baseball. I can't believe we lost Roy Holiday. And... We lost Hernandez, a pitcher for the, the Miami uh, Marlins. And, and, man, it's just really, really tough. Well, we got to segue on to uh, some more news. A little bit more positive. Well, not actually positive. I can't really say this is positive. I want to get into my winners and losers of the NFL weekend. Now that we have that final game under wraps between the um, Packers and the Lions, we can talk about our winners and our losers. I never like um, broadcasting on a Monday because you still have one more game left to talk about. And I got to say, we'll start with our winners first of all. Um, and we'll we'll do just a couple of winners. First of all, a shout out needs to go out to the Philadelphia Eagles because they just continue to te- to keep steamrolling teams, just dominating teams. Denver is not an easy team to dominate, although their quarterback uh, situation leaves a lot to be desired. Just a lot. I mean, when you're going to Brock Osweiler. Actually, you know what? Let me let me not even focus on that. Just focus on the the Eagles for right now. Now at eight and one, top team in the NFL. You got a rookie, not a rookie quarterback, a second year quarterback who is looking like the best, um, probably the best quarterback from that particular draft last year. I mean, you you have Goff that was taken ahead of him. But when you're looking at his development, you're looking at the situation with um, Doug Peterson, who has done nothing but put Carson Wentz in positions to be successful. And I can't just put this on, on, on Doug Peterson because he... Carson Wentz is just making just unbelievable plays. He, he looks like a magician out there. Like, he looks like he could do just whatever he wanted to do with the football. It doesn't matter if the pocket's collapsing around him. And the crazy thing is that he's not throwing to guys who, are like, are stud number ones. Like, he's not throwing to, like, a Calvin Johnson or an Antonio Brown or a Julio Jones. I mean, Nelson Aguilar was benched last year. Torrey Smith was lo- was on the lower end of the death chart when he was coming from the Baltimore Ravens. Then you have Alshon Jeffrey, who was let go by a team that is in dire need of wide receiver help. So you're not looking at a, a bunch of guys who 
were on the open market and everybody just wanted because of their talent alone. But credit goes to him. Credit goes to that organization for trading for Ajay Ajayi, even though they have a um, blunt on their team. You're just adding to your strengths. And I think that this really is them taking it or trying to take it to the um, Dallas Cowboys because one of the, the, the issues with the Dallas Cowboys is they can't defend against teams who have a solid running game whenever Sean Lee is out. But, you know, a lot of props goes to them for taking a strength of theirs and just making it totally better. Especially it, that helps with Carson Wentz's development because they lost their left tackle in Peters, and that's going to be a big blow for them. That's going to be something that's, that you need to look at going forward is how are they going to continue to protect him. But one of the ways that you continue to protect your young quarterback and not put him in unsuccessful situations is by having a solid running game and adding a Jai for a fourth round pick. I, how in the world do the Dolphins keep making these these ridiculous moves? I don't understand that. But um, credit goes out to the Eagles. Uh, my next winner in all of this is the Dallas Cowboys because they are getting a defensive line that is starting to match their offensive line. I don't know how the Kansas City Chiefs let David Irving go in the first place, especially a team like that that's in need of defensive line help and in need of help all around on the defensive end or defensive side of the ball. But they let David Irving go and Dallas was able to, able to pick this guy up and it's taken him not a long time to come in and dominate and be the second leading um, pass rusher that they have as far as getting sacks <laughs> hasn't taken a long time he missed the four games because of the the, um, the substance that he took so he was he took a banned substance so he was uh, suspended for the first four games. But just looking at the, their defensive line, I mean, their defensive line leads the league in, in quarterback pressures. They're in or one of the top teams as far as getting quarterback sacks. So you, you take David Irving and you add him with Demarcus Lawrence. That is a pretty good recipe for a team trying to make it to the Super Bowl hasn't made it in the Super Bowl in more than what is it? It's got to be what close to 20. Has it been 20 years? Yeah, I think I think it has been that long since they've made it to the Super Bowl. Man, time flies. I am getting old, but kudos goes to them. My biggest winner of all of this is not a team, it's not a team, it's Tom. Tom Coughlin. Why do I say Tom Coughlin? Because he's not at that dumpster fire of a team, the New York Giants. We'll get into a little bit later. But Tom Coughlin gets jettisoned out for Principal Bob McAdoo. He looks like a principal. I don't care what anybody says, Tom, um, McAdoo. Doesn't look like a guy who's really, really in charge. He just looks like, the not even a regular principal, he looks like the assistant principal. At a middle school. 
But Tom Coughlin left. You see the influence that he's made on that Jacksonville Jaguars team. That team just hits you in the mouth. They are a solid team with a running game. It's just too bad. They're too stubborn to go out and actually get a quarterback that is competent. Maybe hand the reins over to Colin Kaepernick. But we see that Tom Coughlin is big on the military. He's big on respecting America. Not that Colin Kaepernick was being disrespectful to either. But we know that Tom Coughlin is not going to step into that situation. Even if it means costing his team a chance to get to the Super Bowl. Because I'll tell you something. You're not getting to the Super Bowl with Blake Bortles as your quarterback. That's just not happening. It's not happening at all. <laughs> we'll get into the losers, though. One of the losers, Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers. And I say this, Aaron Rodgers went down two weeks ago with that injury with the, the broken um, clavicle in his shoulder. But he has got to be looking around that team and saying, I can't believe this is the amount of talent that I've been playing with. It's one thing when you're on the team and you are in the mix of it and you are still putting up ridiculous numbers, still able to make incredible plays, just being a, a, a masterful wizard out there and making guys look better, and making his team look better than what it really is. Because the Cowboys should not be 5-4. and four. They should be 6-3. and Because they should have beaten the Packers. They dominated the Packers when they played against them earlier in the year. About three weeks ago. But he's got to be looking at the talent that's around that team. He, he doesn't have anybody on the defensive side of the ball that scares you. Clay Matthews is probably the lesser of the Matthews uh, family. As far as... Uh, people who have played professional football. Clay Matthews doesn't scare anybody. So they don't have anybody on the defensive side to scare somebody. They've got one or two really competent wide receivers. Jordy Nelson is a great wide receiver. Devontae Adams, ah, the book is still out on him. Randall Cobb is nothing but really a slot receiver who you can put in and line up as a running back, which is strange because that's what the Packers have actually done, but you don't have a running game. Your offensive line is not that good. Your pr play calling leaves a lot to be desired. So really, and I know that Aaron Rodgers, you can't just go out and replace an Aaron Rodgers, but it really, it's just been Aaron Rodgers just been carrying this team with no real talent around them. And you know, Green Bay has been doing this, not adding free agents since they've had Brett Favre. It's almost like it's enough for them. They've been satisfied enough just to say, oh, hey, well, we've got a an all-time winning quarterback. We got an MVP of the league. We got the best quarterback in the league. Ah, eh, we're good. We've made our money. Sold our tickets. We're good. How is it this team just does not add any significant free agents to make things a little slightly bigger or slightly better I should say for Aaron Rodgers you're telling me that the Green Bay Packers couldn't have traded something for Jay Ajayi Jay Ajayi goes to the Philadelphia Eagles for a fourth round draft pick Green Bay Packers you couldn't have done something like that 
granted, I know Ajayi became available after Aaron Rodgers, but just making those types of moves to get your, your football team in a better position to compete and to win. Because they weren't going to win a Super Bowl this year anyway. And have a running game. They don't have anything on defense. <laughs> but it, it's just amazing to me watching this team devoid of talent. Second biggest loser has to be the New York Giants. And or New York Giants fans. I don't know which is worse. That organization is in shambles. Just in shambles. Had a lot of questionable moves that they made in the draft. One of them being um, taking Ingram in the draft. I don't know. Like, you needed another weapon on offense. You did not need another weapon on offense in the, in the upcoming draft. You needed to improve your offensive line. Which, by the way... They had the bright idea a couple years ago of drafting Eric Flowers. Who, uh, like, uh, it, it just makes me wonder if these scouts watch any type of college football. Because I'm a Miami Hurricanes fan. I could tell you, Flowers was one of the worst offensive linemen that the Miami Hurricanes have produced in the past 10 years. He was terrible. And to use a number one draft pick on him is just un inexcusable. But you just had this team just, I mean, the, the moves that they've made, the drafts that they've made, have just been poor. It's been poor decision. Taking Shepard. Shepard has turned out to be a very bad uh, choice. You've done all of this, made all of these moves to improve your defense. A defense that just got 51 points dropped on them, by the way by the Rams. And I know the Rams are much better this year. They're not 51 point better. Like that's just incredible. I know that it's hard to look at a team and people people often use these terms and say that a team quit because they're not very sophisticated to tell you what it is that they were watching out there. But I will tell you, you can you can tell when a team is playing uninspired, when they just don't have it. When they're just not willing to bring it to the table and compete. And I will say that that's exactly what the New York Giants did in that game. They didn't compete. They, they were not competitive one bit. And if the, the defensive side of the ball is supposed to be their calling card, I'm guessing that the defensive side of the ball was just tired of carrying the offense for the entire season. Because even when this team had a healthy Odell Beckham, they were still terrible on offense still relied on the defense to uh, put them in position to win. So I get it. Totally understand it. But they just made a lot of questionable or, um, organizational moves. One being not keeping Tom Coughlin in there with you to, to uh, really oversee things. That was something that was questionable. Never really got that. Why you would just allow Tom Coughlin to just walk and not have any part of the organization. It wasn't as if he didn't have a hand in putting together 
um, the teams in the past that have been competitive, those teams that have gone to the Super Bowl, it's not like he didn't have his hands in that, wasn't a part of that. I don't know why you wouldn't want Tom Coughlin part of your organization moving forward. Tom Coughlin should have retired with the Giants. Instead, he's going to back to Jacksonville, making this team um, just a a nightmare to deal with. I don't know if you want to see them. Like, they, that defensive line that they've been able to put together, along with that running game, makes them an, a viable playoff team that you don't want to play. But that's just a, a couple of my... Uh, biggest losers. I guess I want to say I want to throw the Texans in there too. I mean, it's I don't I don't I, I get people have their politics. They have situations that they don't want to. I mean, you don't want to add Colin Kaepernick to your team. I guess maybe that's not a great decision to do with him suing the NFL over collusion. But I feel like if he just signs with the team then that kind of takes away the whole entire collusion case to begin with. So why not take a chance on the guy? But I'm looking at this situation, and I'm thinking to myself, you just signed Josh Johnson. Josh Johnson has a th- hasn't thrown an NFL pass since 2011. So you're telling me that 2011 Josh Johnson is better than Colin Kaepernick? Dude, that's a loser move, especially when you have a team that is on their way to playing in the playoffs. Well, one thing I will say is you got a lot of teams who are going to have some cap space open um, over the next couple of years. And if I'm if I'm a team, if I'm actually not if I'm a team, if I'm Aaron Rodgers. And I'm surveying the field. I'm looking at this whole entire Green Bay Packers um, organization. You haven't put anything around me to make me successful. I've been carrying this franchise for a while. He'll be a free agent very soon. He could be surveying the field and saying, hey, look, I'm open for business. Because he's got one year left on his contract. I would not be so in, in such a rush to sign that contract offer. No, 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 no. I'm looking at a lot of teams who could use a quarterback. Jacksonville being a a very, um, a very interesting destination. I don't know if you want to necessarily go there. Because Jacksonville, from what I hear, has some kind of smell that they just can't get rid of, that the people of Jacksonville have gotten used to. But every single person that I say that I talk to who's visited Jacksonville says that they've had some kind of smell going on. So I don't know if you really want to go there, but it is a team worth looking at. It is a team worth looking at. But if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I am not looking at necessarily retiring a Packer if I can go out there and find a better situation for myself. With that, we'll segue into um, guys who might not be retiring with their team. I know this is a little bit early on. I'm looking at this whole entire Giannis Attentacupo situation in Milwaukee. 
very young team, very long team. It has to be the longest team in the NFL. It just has a bunch of guys who have just wingspans for days. Wingspans that the wingspans actually got to be longer than what Brett Huntley is is willing to throw the ball. I'll tell you that. But the news is coming down out of Milwaukee that they traded Greg Monroe for Eric Bledsoe. And if you don't think that that's a big deal, that's a very big deal. Because there's only been, as far as what I can see from the NBA stats, from 2015-16 season, there's only been nine guys who have averaged 20 points and six assists a game. And eight of those guys are all NBA team, uh, players. The ninth guy is Eric Bledsoe. Now, maybe Eric Bledsoe could be a guy who's just putting up stats on a really, really bad team. But I don't know how that works. How is it that Devin Booker is supposed to be the future, supposed to be one of the best starting um, shooting guards in the league, arguably the best starting shooting guard in the league? It's got to be between him Clay Thompson and um, Bradley Beal. I won't say he's arguably the best, but arguably one of the best at such a young age. How is it that Devin Booker, everybody can see the upcoming talent with him, and then you're looking at Eric Bledsoe and people are saying, well, he's just putting up stats on a really bad team. Well, if that's the case, what is Devin Booker doing? The same thing. The same thing. But I feel like with the Milwaukee Bucks, this is a move that you have to make, right? You have to put as much talent around the rising superstar that is Giannis Antetokounmpo, the Greek freak, as I like to call him, the alien. Because that's, I mean, the, the stuff that he does is just unworldly. But you, I mean, when you think about what Milwaukee has, you got a Deladova, you got a Snell, you got a Brogdon. None of those guys is scaring anybody in the East. But you put a guy on the team that can go and help others get their shot, and more importantly, can get their own shot. Not that Atentacupo is not going to have the ball in his hands because he is. But when you make that kind of uh, move, that's a pretty good move. And that, I mean, when I think about that move, of all of the places that Eric Bledsoe could have gone to, it makes me think conspiracy theory. Conspiracy theory. Because you got to look at the... They're not as incompetent as the Philadelphia Eagles in football. Not the Philadelphia Eagles, but the Miami Dolphins, who just got rid of a guy because they didn't like the hit, the way he fit in with the culture. not Didn't like the way he uh, didn't study the playbook. I feel like you work those situations out when you have a talent like Jay Ajayi and you are struggling on offense. You don't just, you don't just make your offense worse and get rid of a guy just because you have a, a disagreement with him or you don't. He doesn't view things the right way. I, I think you, you find a way to massage that and, and, and move on. 
But I'm looking at this situation with the Phoenix Suns, and I'm wondering why the Milwaukee Bucks and why taking on Greg Monroe's contract for a first-round draft pick? I feel like you could have gotten that deal anywhere. And so I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute. Who is the agent for Eric Bledsoe? Rich Paul. Phoenix didn't like the way Eric Bledsoe handled the whole entire tweet situation. And they fined him like $10,000 for that tweet situation. They didn't like the way that he complained about his playing time in Phoenix. Mind you, last year he was perfectly healthy and they sat him. He had a whole bunch of DMPs because they were just trying to see what the younger guys had. Now you have a guy who's averaging 20 and 6, still relatively young, 28 years old, but you DMP him for like the last 30 games of the year? But you, you send him to a team that happens to be a rival or an up-and-coming rival, or at least a team that will put some resistance against who, of all people? LeBron James. So you can't tell me that that situation didn't have a little bit of, hey, we're going to get back at Rich Paul and LeBron James and create a little bit of a rift by trading him to the Milwaukee Bucks. Because this whole entire situation with Eric Bledsoe and him sitting out, you can't tell me that his agent wasn't behind some of the antics that were going on with Eric Bledsoe. You can't tell me that that wasn't the case. Well, you made your way out. On a 4-16, and 16, I don't know how they're 4-6. and six. I feel like they should be better than that. Uh, I guess that injury to I guess that injury to Jabari Parker kind of made things a little bit difficult for them but I feel like they're not like really missing him that much for a player with those type of athletic skills th that those type of scoring abilities they're four and six but they're not four and six as in um, they're playing dreadful basketball. I feel like, though, that they could move on from him because, let's face it, if a guy tears his ACL twice with in both knees, I don't feel like he's necessarily going to have a prolonged NBA career. Maybe that is just me. But I feel like that team could move on from Jabari Parker, get something for him, and put some more pieces around the Milwaukee Bucks team because that, that team is not very deep. When you think about it, like like I said, you got Brogdon, who was what was he rookie of the year last year? Tony Snell, Chris Middleton, and just a bunch of dudes. Oh wait a minute. I just gave you just a bunch of dudes because no one is getting scared of Malcolm Brogdon or Tony Snell or Matthew Dellavedova. So I feel like this move of Eric Bledsoe, who, by the way, has a 6'7-inch um, wingspan, 
So that's going to add to your defense. But I do feel like this is a positive move. And not just a move for right now, a move in the future that's showing Atenokupo, hey, we're, we're trying to actually put pieces around you that can be successful. So great move for them. But there's a lot of great storylines that are going on in the NBA. To me, this has to be the greatest opening of the NBA in years. And part of that has to do with the the seeming demise of the Cleveland Cavaliers. I know that there is still some time for them to get it around or get it changed. And I realize that anytime you have a team with LeBron James, you are always going to be in it. But the Cavaliers are not there just to be in it. They're in there to be competing for a championship. And this team, they don't play any defense. And by don't play any defense, it's like they're averaging giving up at least almost 109 points a game. That's what it seems like. It seems like every single time I look at a score for the Cleveland Cavaliers, even if they've, they've won the game, They've given up at least 109, 110 points in that win. So, yeah, maybe they're going to be able to outscore a lot of people. But they're also going to be giving up a lot of points. And that's dangerous when you start playing against some significant teams because they haven't played a lot of significant teams as of yet. They haven't gotten into a difficult part of their scheduling. Been losing to teams like the Nets. Like the Magic, who, by the way, have a better record this year than what most people expected. Indiana. When you're losing to teams like that, that's a problem. And you got Dwayne Wade who's saying that the starters need to play better. I don't know if Dwayne Wade needs to be talking at all. Because the only reason why he's on this team in the first place is because his boy is LeBron James. And yes, they did win last night, but they struggled in that win. It was not an easy win against the Milwaukee Bucks. That's why I feel like the Milwaukee Bucks adding Eric Bledsoe, that's a very big step for them. And if they get Jabari Parker back at some point, that's going to be uh, very big for them as well. You got Kyrie Irving, who's out in Boston, just, who just keeps balling. And they've won, like, what, eight straight? Now, granted, everybody said that they were going to have a significant drop-off when you get rid of Avery Bradley, who they say was a top defender. Yeah, I, I mean, they say he was a top defender, and he might have been at his position, but defensively, if you go back and you look at the numbers, the team actually played better defense with him off the court. Little unknown stat, even though Avery Bradley is considered a great defender. I don't know how that's possible, but go back and look at the stats metrics and you'll be able to see that their defensive rating was higher, slightly, just slightly higher, better defensive rating when he wasn't playing on the court. But you've got a lot of good storylines that are going on in the, in the NBA, especially what's going on in New York with Christos Porzingis. Christos Porzingis is having... Big game after big game after big game, and it's resulting in wins. Tell me why I can't remember the last big game that Carmelo Anthony has had in New York. 
I probably have to go back to the Woodson years when Woodson was their head coach to think about when um, LeBron, not LeBron James, but when Carmelo Anthony was actually doing something of any relevance. Even with him being on the OKC team, that's a perfect team for him to be on because he can just be one a guy of three. But Melo, for the past, I want to say, six years of his career, for the past six years of his career playing in New York has been just disappointing. You're looking at this young guy, I mean, Porzingis is playing defense. That's one thing. When you have your top star, your best player playing defense, that has an effect on the overall chemistry of the team. But he's not just going out and playing defense. He's just straight out balling. He's averaging like over 30 points a game, eight rebounds. That's pretty sick numbers for a guy in his third year. And everybody was talking about last year how he kind of regressed. I guess you could say he kind of regressed, but he's still putting up 18 points a game, 18 and 7. But Chris Porzingis is going out balling. This whole entire situation with the Pelicans and them having DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis and everybody saying that there's no way those two teams could, or two guys could play together, the... um. The spacing will be all bad. Granted, they don't have a any type of perimeter players that can make outside shots. They're they're a terrible perimeter team, and Rondo is not going to make them much better. But it has been at least for the most part entertaining watching the Pelicans play. But my biggest storyline has got to be the whole entire situation with. Alonzo Ball. I don't understand the hype around Alonzo Ball. I get what people are saying with the plus minus and how he carries himself. But honestly, to me, I need my point guard to be able to score. And right now, Alonzo Ball is shooting like 30% from the field. 30%. This is a guy who was supposed to be... Not just a guy, he was going to change the overall culture of the Lakers, and I feel like I feel like that's a little bit overstated because by getting Magic Johnson, by getting rid of the guys that they had on that team, by having Luke Walton in his second year and guys that are a lot more comfortable in the offense that Luke Walton wants to play, Luke Walton who brought over a lot of principles from the Golden State Warriors, I feel like that transition was just going to just going to happen on its own anyway. The culture was going to change. I don't know how much Lonzo Ball is necessarily having an effect on that. And when I when I can't quantify things um, or explain explain things in terms that everybody's going to be able to to understand, I have a hard time making a definitive argument for Lonzo Ball having this great effect on his team. I get it. The The kid has great court vision, great awareness, but he's not going to be a superstar. He's not overly quick. He's not overly long, and he can't get a shot off. And, by the way, he's not even the top rookie on his team. 
And sometimes he even looks disengaged. There's been times when they've been in the huddle. Lonzo Ball isn't in the huddle. Teammates aren't talking to him. I'm wondering if this whole entire situation with LeVar Ball and him uh, saying that he's going to be better than Steph Curry, which is a joke, by the way. I'm wondering if a lot of this stuff is starting to get to him. It can't be easy carrying around this this um, bullseye on your back in your rookie year when everybody's gunning for you based off of the words of your father. That can't be easy. But people are talking about, oh, who are the top, or Alonzo Ball being the top rookie and winning rookie of the year. He's not even the best rookie on his, on his team. And so far, the point guard for the New York Knicks is playing better than Lonzo Ball. In my opinion. Defensively, he's better. Running the team, he's better. Not running the team, I shouldn't say that. That's not true. Let me, let me backtrack with that. But scoring the ball, better. He's certainly not as good as Dennis Smith. Not at this point in his career. De'Aaron Fox, no. I feel like Ben Simmons shouldn't necessarily count as a rookie because it's really his second year. I know that he has like a red shirt, but at least he he was able to practice with the team and was able to travel with the team. I don't feel like that's necessarily fair. Markel Fultz. I guess Lonzo Ball can't be the biggest disappointment because Markel Fultz is out hurt and has apparently lost his ability to make a jump shot. But Laurie Markkinen is a better rookie, having more of an impact on his team, at least stats-wise. I can quantify that. I can't quantify the impact that Lonzo Ball has on his team just yet. Haven't even mentioned Justin Jackson, who's having a fairly solid um, rookie campaign. There's a lot of good rookies out there. I was very surprised. I thought it was going to be very top-heavy, but there's been a lot of guys in the top 15 that have not disappointed. I forgot to even mention uh, Bama Adebayo, who looks like a, a stud prospect playing for the Miami Heat, TJ Leaf. A lot of these guys can get straight out ball and have the confidence. They're playing. They're not playing like rookies. But I was just looking at that situation with Alonzo Ball, and it looks like his confidence is a little bit shaken with his with his um, jump shot. I hope it gets back. I don't want to see guys fail. That That is never something that I look forward to. Oh, I'm going to watch this so I can watch somebody fail. It's supposed to be entertaining. It's supposed to be entertainment. I do find it a little bit funny, though, that the future of the... Philadelphia 76ers hinges on two guys who were losers in, throughout their coll collegiate career. Markel Fultz and Ben Simmons. Both losers. But at least Ben Simmons has, I mean, maybe I guess he was just bored playing college. I didn't get a chance to watch him play a lot in, in LSU because why would you watch LSU? play basketball for any good reason 
But maybe that's just it. Maybe he was just bored with what was going on there, and he just wanted to hurry up and get to the NBA as quickly as possible. I don't know. But I just thought that that was a little little um, unique thought to put out there to chew on. Well, that's all I got for me right now. We went really long. It's clocking about 45 minutes. Stepping it up. I might have to do this more often. But if again, I want to thank you for being in the rotation with me. Uh, continue listening through Google Play Music, SoundCloud, uh, TuneIn Radio. Please go to Stitcher.com if you can. Stitcher.com or the Sports Rotation. Squarespace.com. Leave your comments on there. I got a couple of comments on there. It's talking about how crazy I am. I'll get into those comments a little bit later and uh, touch up on them, make you guys aware of what people are saying and leaving. Um, you can check out me on Twitter, and I can tell you my Twitter Twitter handle right now. It's at jbutler08099392. Again, that's at jbutler08099392. So hit me up on Twitter. If you have anything to say, any comments that want to be made, or if you want to follow me, uh, you can check me out that way as well. Anytime that you, if you do follow me, anytime that I make a post or anytime that I um, make a new podcast, you'll be made aware of it because the show is hooked up through Twitter as well. So a lot of stuff that you can look forward to throughout my podcast. So go ahead and hit me up. Check it out again. Thanks for being in a rotation with me. I'm out.